0: Fortunately, I have the Word of, the God, of God, though, to uh, bring you, so that's good. Uh, found in James, chapter 5, verse 7. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, as God, through His Spirit and His faithful servants of old, speaks to us. Be patient, then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You, too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged, and the judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance— and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. May God bless the reading of his word. Uh, having this extended family and growing close and having people within the church bless your lives in so many ways. I know that I have picked up along the way many grandparents and then parents and brothers and sisters, and now as the years have passed by, children and grandchildren uh, that my heart is tied to and I love very much. Uh, One lady that uh, was another mother for me in Tyler, I've mentioned her often, but uh, even though she passed on a few years ago, uh, her life still kind of dominates me and Pat in a good way. Uh, Her name is Miss Helen. And one of these days when I'm talking about Miss Helen, I'm going to get a picture of her and put it up on the screen because you will see just when you see her face uh, what kind of person she was. But Miss Helen was a minister to the ministers and she really blessed the lives of the Seibert family, Charles and Judy, who uh, preceded me and Tyler, helped them raise their kids, Ben and John. And then whenever we came along, she jumped right in and helped us with our family too. And one thing that she did was shuttle the kids around to places whenever Pat and I were tied up and couldn't do that. And one time she was doing that for Ben Seibert, uh, Charles Sybert's younger son. And most of you here, or many of you here know Charles. And Ben was all frustrated because they weren't going to get there on time, and he was trying to get her to hurry, and he was just all out of sorts. And finally, Miss Helen started singing the little children's song. Have patience, have patience. Don't be in such a hurry. You know that song? Yeah. To which Ben blurted out, Miss Helen, I hate that song. <laughs> so that's become a my, part of mine and Pat's vocabulary. When one of us is a little out of sorts about things, the other one starts singing, have patience, and we always say, Miss Helen, I hate that song. <laughs> patience is one of those virtues that we know we ought to have, and yet we know that so many times it's hard to practice. For example, driving down the street and somebody in front of you is driving like 10, 15 miles below speed limit. You know, the speed limit is there to tell you you're supposed to go that speed, all right? So you're going along behind them and they're kind of riding their brake occasionally. And so you're trying, you know, and you're just, it gets tenser and tenser. And finally you come to a light that turns yellow and that person guns it and makes it through the light. And you have to stop. Ah! (laughs) Right? Or you're in the checkout line at the store holding three items. Go to the express lane. Realize the person in front of you has half a basket full. In the express lane. Well, they sit sit there and wait and try to think nice thoughts. And they finally get all the groceries checked all the groceries bagged, and then it dawns on that person, they're going to have to pay for those groceries. So they start digging around for their... And then they pull a checkbook out, all right? And then they start writing their check. And I don't know what people write on their checks, but it takes them forever. They write and write and write and write. Not that that bothers me or anything. (laughs) But there are those moments in our lives where we realize, "Eh, got to develop some patience. Patience is one of those sweet qualities that just makes the ride easier. However, when we begin really listening to what Scripture says about patience, we see that it's even more than that. Patience is not like heated seats and satellite radio in the car that just makes things more comfortable. Patience is more like the wheels, or the steering wheel. It's something that we really have to have to get through this life in the way that God is calling us to live it. Now, I know that because as I begin reading and looking at how often the quality of patience is discussed in the Bible, it's just amazing how many times that little word pops up. You might want to take a concordance and Uh, I I mentioned this in first service and mentioned that you don't even have to have a concordance anymore. All you got to have is a tablet or an iPhone or something, a smartphone and go to BibleGateway.com. There is your concordance right there and put in the word patience and see how many times it comes up. But I hated that because some of you are already punching your buttons. Now be patient. And I'm watching you, too. If you get fidgety, I'm going to know it. We're talking about patience here. But if you look at how often that word pops up in Scripture, it begins to dawn on us that, wow, this is something that God is really serious about having in our lives and being a, a dominant quality of the life of someone who is his child and following in his way. I chose a few of those verses, uh, 2 Corinthians 6.6. 6. Paul talks a lot about patience. He says that we are called to live by these things, purity, knowledge, patience, and kindness. In Galatians 5.22, he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. That's right. Ephesians 4.2 says that as we live with each other in the church, we should do so with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love Colossians 1-1, 1:11 111 excuse me says may you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience Colossians 3:12 as God's chosen ones holy and beloved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness Humility, meekness, patience. On and on we go. It seems like every time that the writers begin talking about what our lives must look like, that word patience is right there in the middle of it all. And as we think about that, I think we begin to realize that patience is not just something that we try to add to our lives, Patience must be in the very midst of our lives, and that the patience that is discussed in Scripture is not so much something we try to do, it's something that we are, and it particularly reveals something about our lives. Let me try to say that again. Patience is not something that we just try to tack on. You know, there are little exercises we can do that I've learned and you've learned whenever we feel ourselves getting frustrated and so forth. And we try to pull those out like count to 10, take a deep breath, maybe say a quick prayer, you know, help me Lord through this. And, and that's fine and that's good. I still use those things at times. But it's not so much something small that we're trying to put like the cherry on the top and just... But really whether we're patient or not, kind of opens up our lives and shows who we are and what it is that we really believe. One clue about that occurs in one passage we've already read. That's the Galatians passage, Galatians 5.22, where there Paul is talking about the fruit of the Spirit, isn't he? He's not talking about things that we try to work on and figure out how we can get into our lives. What he's talking about is what happens in our life whenever the Spirit lives within us. Whenever we are open to the Spirit's work, whenever we walk with the Spirit, whenever we seek the Spirit's guidance and help in our lives, what comes out of our lives is love and joy and peace and patience. James takes a little bit different angle here, but he says basically the same thing. In this little brief passage toward the end of James, James is talking about what our lives will look like whenever something very important has happened in our lives. And that important thing is this. Whenever it finally dawns on us that God is really active in our lives. That God is not just some being that's up in heaven somewhere. But God is a being that's all around us. He's our Father. He loves us. He knows us. And He is working so that we might be His children and live for Him. Now, that is a major moment in life. When that finally sinks in, that God is not our judge. Well, he is, but not only our judge. He is not just sitting there waiting and watching us to criticize. But he is actively involved in everything that we do. Now, what does that have to do with patience? Well, James goes ahead and discusses it, and he, he gives us some examples. He said it's it, it, that we should be patient until the coming of the Lord. Because this thing is going somewhere. We are actually moving toward the coming of God and His breaking into this world where His kingdom is is, is such glory that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And as an example of what that looks like, He gives us the farmer. Now, I've never been a farmer. I've been a gardener, but not a farmer. I think I've learned some of the same lessons. And one of the great lessons that James points out there is that if you're farming or if you're gardening, you realize that there is a lot that is outside your control. Now, there are things you need to do. You need to plant the seed. And in West Texas, you need to water the seed. You know, There are things that you need to do. You need to go and you need to pull the weeds. But there is nothing that you can actually do to make that seed grow. And he talks about how the farmer plants, and after he plants the crop, a crop that his whole livelihood depends on, and the livelihood of his family, then he has to entrust that to the Lord, that that crop is going to grow. That always makes me think of a time when I was in elementary school, and we planted some beans or something in a little can at school, and uh, talked about plant growth and all that kind of... Well, I kept digging mine up to see if they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. My beans didn't grow very well because of that. Uh, The point that James is making is that so much of our life, we have to entrust to the Lord. There are things that are absolutely out of our control. And if we continually dwell on those things that we can do nothing about, whether we are, are, are just in angst because we want them to change and they haven't changed, or wondering why did these things happen in my life, and there is absolutely nothing that we can do, we entrust them to the Lord because as Paul says in Romans eight twenty eight, for those of us who love God, he is working all these things together for good. And if we can trust that statement and to realize that God is actively putting together the pieces around us so that we might benefit, so that His kingdom might benefit, then we can begin to let go. and We can settle down and say, I'll take care of the things that are within my power and leave the rest of those things to God. Every one of us can identify at least one thing in our life, I believe, that we continue to hold on in our heart and it continues to weigh us down. When we stop and think, I can do nothing about that. James in another place and Peter says, give those to God, cast your cares upon him and then settle down. All through Scripture, there's a little phrase that pops up. It's it's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. Isaiah says it. Habakkuk says it. Zephaniah says it. David says it. Solomon says it. Four little words that can make all the difference. Wait for the Lord. And we are called upon to have wisdom to know when to do that. And to leave those matters that we can no longer control and that we cannot change and we cannot undo in the hands of God. That is patience. That is willing to continue on with my life doing what I can do without letting these things pull me down. Moving on, he he gives a little thing that I wish he hadn't thrown in there. In the midst of all this wonderful stuff about waiting on God and being patient like a farmer is patient. And then in a moment, he's going to talk about how to get through suffering and so forth. Right in the middle of all that, he says, oh, by the way, if you really have this quality, you know what you're not going to do? You're not going to be griping about other people all the time. Now, he could have left that alone. That's one of those things where he stopped preaching and gone to meddling, right? Because he says, if really your life consists in the major things that are happening and letting God take you in his flow and his kingdom, then really what other people are saying, what other people are doing, it's not that big a deal. Just because someone doesn't particularly like you or understand you or someone has said something that you don't appreciate... You don't have to fix that. You don't have to stop that. It's really not up to you. (sighs) Patience. Then he goes on to say, and when it comes to those times of suffering, when, (laughs) I don't know why it popped in my mind, life gives you lemons. I know you're supposed to make lemonade. I read the other day that if life brings you a lot of jerks, make jerky. Uh, I don't (laughs) know. Still kind of working on that one. <laughs> that probably falls under the grumble thing, though, doesn't it? So we can't do that. Um, life is not always easy. Uh, one thing that bothers me sometimes about the way we present religion is that it's going to fix everything in your life. And if you just have faith, nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. I hope if you listen to me on a fairly regular basis, I don't believe that. Uh, Bad things happen for many reasons. And what do we do with those? How do we make it through those difficult times? James says, when it comes to suffering, he said, look at the prophets and the way that they endured those sufferings. And when I look at the prophets, one thing that really comes to my heart and mind is, man, I have it easy. I really do. Uh, everything that I have suffered, they have suffered, and then more. And yet they remained loyal to God. They continued to trust in Him. They continued to speak His word. They continued to believe that He was working for the behalf of His people. We just recently completed a study of the minor prophets. We didn't talk much about Isaiah, Jeremiah. But wow, you go back and read those guys, and then you lay beside what they endured. And what you have been called upon to endure, what I have been called upon to endure. And I realize that God has blessed me and certainly has not given me more than is possibly human to make it through. We trust in that. Job is given as an example here, and I am so glad James brings up Job. He says, look at his perseverance or endurance You know, sometimes we talk about the patience of Job, and the reason I'm glad he brings Job up here at the end, it's kind of a little bit of an out. Because if you go back and read some of the things Job said, Job got upset and screamed a while, didn't he? But he hung in there, and he stayed the course. So therefore, even though we have those times where our nerves get frazzled, and maybe those times where we blurt out something that we wished we hadn't said, we take the breath and realize but God is with us. God is blessing us, and we can make it through. Uh, A few years ago, as well as back in the early 90s, whenever communism fell and the Soviet Union fell apart, uh, there were so many stories that came out of that. And uh, one of those that I always think about when I think about endurance and patience was an interview that I saw uh, with some people in Latvia. Uh, Latvia had been placed under the... uh, Iron Curtain, behind the Iron Curtain, and one of the things that happened was that the churches, while they were not outlawed, they were restricted, and they could meet for only one hour a week, and you had to be of a certain age to go to church. They would not let young people go to the churches in Latvia. Well, obviously their idea was, well, we'll let the old people be happy, we'll let them get together, have their little church thing, and then, you know, they can uh, be gone, but we're not going to let the young folks get involved in this, and eventually the church will just die out. Latvia was under that rule for 50 years until finally everything fell apart and they were free. The amazing thing was that almost immediately the church blossomed in Latvia. There was faith everywhere. And they were talking to one older lady who had lived through this whole thing. And they asked her about it. They said, how did this happen with, with the Soviet oppression trying to keep faith from spreading to the young and being so restrictive on church? How did you guys endure? And through an interpreter, she kind of shrugged her shoulders and said, hey, it was only 50 years. What's 50 years compared to eternity? We are called upon to have the patience of Job, to have the patience of the prophets, to have the patience of the farmer, realizing that our God is for us and with us. And whatever may come our way, we can make it through. And we can make it through with patience. Now, of course, we have to be a part of that stream, we have to be a part of that kingdom. We have to be a part of the will of God and the purposes of God. We have to be going the same direction he's going in order to set back and let him drive the car. Our decision is whether or not we want to be one of his people and we want to be called by him to live for his purposes. That invitation to come and to join the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is always before us. If you have not stepped forward and said, I want to be one of those. Today is the day to do that. Let's be standing and sing, please.